Oh, good morning. A very warm welcome to you. Whether you're visiting us or you come here regularly, it's good to see you. And I hope we can join together in worship this morning. Uh, I was reading my Bible this week, and a phrase that is repeated quite often in it caught my attention. And it was this, may the Lord be with you. And it made me ask two questions of myself. Is that what I really want? Would that make a difference to how I behaved and walked during the week, during the Sunday? So, I'm not going to tell you the answers, but it made me think about that, and it's good to think about whether we are walking with the Lord, not only here on the Sunday, but during the week. It's not only desirable, but for a Christian, it's essential that you walk with the Lord. So, I hope that you might ponder and think about those things, that they may be a blessing to you. So um, when the music starts, we're going to join together in singing the first song, Name of All Majesty, and following that, Alan is going to read the Bible passage that we'll be considering today.
reading from God's Word this morning is from Colossians chapter 2, and starting at verse 4 through to the end of the chapter. So Colossians chapter 2, and starting at verse 4. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, for though I am absent in body, Yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in trespasses, And the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame, by triumphing over them in him. Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why as if you are still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. This is the word of God. 
Thank you, Alan. Shall we now join together in prayer? Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we are thankful that we can come together here on the Lord's Day, on the Sunday morning, to worship you. It is a great privilege for us to worship you and to praise you for all that you have done for us. We give you thanks for your mercy and goodness to us, providing us with a place here, quiet, where we can come together to worship. We're thankful that we have your word before us, an open Bible that we can read freely throughout the week as well as on the Lord's Day. We're thankful, O Lord, that the word is still preached in this place, Sunday by Sunday. And we pray once again for John that in his ministry amongst us, he may know that liberty and that he may be blessed in his own soul. We give thanks for the help given week by week. And we pray, O Lord, that there may be fruit from the sowing of the seed. We ask, O Lord, that uh, we may be given retentive minds, meditative minds, to ponder over those things we hear. O Lord, we, we mourn that frequently we forget what we hear. O Lord, we ask that it may not be like that, but that we may retain and ponder over the things that we hear, that we may consider our way, that we may consider what, where we're going, what we're doing, how we behave, our conversation. O oh Lord, may we remember that you are with your people and that to bless. And that is what we desire today, that you will be with us in our worship and that, O oh Lord, your Holy Spirit may work in the hearts of many this day, to bless them, to make them alive, to draw them to yourself. We pray, O Lord, that there may be many who are brought to realize that they have sinned before a holy God. But not only that, but that you are a God who receives sinners. How thankful we are that you are a God who looks in mercy on those who truly repent. And, O oh Lord, we, we do ask that there may be many in this place who are seeking after you, seeking to know you. Give us a hunger and a thirst for the word of God that it may be rooted in our hearts. O oh Lord, it is your work to make alive, to quicken, and that is what we desire. 
We ask, O Lord, that you will be with those who are facing operations in the coming days, that you will draw near to them and bless them and give them that peace and assurance that you are with them. We pray, O Lord, for skill for uh, the surgeons and doctors who will care for them and that it may be of lasting benefit for their health. We pray that they may be granted a full recovery. We pray, O Lord, for those who are confined to their homes or in a home. O Lord, do comfort them with your presence and blessing. May they know that the Lord is with them. We can ask no greater blessing for them than to know that their God is with them in their trials and their difficulties and circumstances. We ask, O Lord, that in the quietness of their rooms they may know much of your presence. We ask, O Lord, for your blessing on Kevin and Lydia as they get married on Tuesday. We pray, O Lord, that uh, in that marriage they may know your blessing and love may grow one through the other and understanding. We pray, O Lord, that they may join together in worship and reading of your word, and that it may be a means of blessing to their souls. Do encourage them. And as they go forth in their married life, may they know your blessing, your gracious hand leading and guiding them and directing them. We pray, O Lord, that um, you will grant your blessing upon what has been done in our Sunday school already today that, uh, and enrooted. We ask, O oh Lord, that amongst our children and young people, the word of God may be implanted in their hearts and rooted in their hearts and that there may be that evidence of the word taking root and springing up, that there may be that evidence of new life. We're thankful, O Lord, for our young people. We're thankful for the work that uh, is done by Mark and so many others, John and Steph and the teachers, amongst our young people. And pray, O Lord, that you will give them uh, a blessing in their own soul as they work in this way. We ask, O oh Lord, that <coughs> you will bless John in taking the children's talk this morning, that that may be something that they can understand and take in and not just forget, but that they may uh, pray about it 
and pray that it will affect them and how they behave and what they do in their life. We ask, O Lord, for your blessing upon our students who are away from us, that you will encourage them and that they may attend a place of worship on the Lord's Day and be blessed there. Those who are in Christian unions, may they be useful and seeking to shine in this dark world. Oh Lord, you know it's been a tumultuous week in our land. Oh Lord, you are the sovereign God. You knew all about the events that have taken place. You are in control. Oh Lord, we pray that we may rest in the fact that you are in control whilst we think and it seems everything is unsettled and we don't know what is going to happen next almost, yet you do. You are the God who overrules. And, O Lord, we ask that people in authority may be appointed who are people of integrity and honesty and that there may be a realisation of how far we have departed from the word of God and a desire given to turn back. O Lord, give us faith to believe that you are able to turn back our country, our leaders, to the word of God. O Lord, your word does say, is anything too hard for the Lord? Give us faith, O Lord, to believe that nothing is too hard for you and you can change this nation of ours back to the Bible, back to the word of God, back to seeking after you. O Lord, we pray that you will strengthen the hands of those who would stand for the truth in our country, those who are... uh, not only in eminent positions, but in in everyday life, that, that we might shine and set a good example by our walk, by our speech. O Lord, may, O Lord, there be that witnessing from our lives, from the lives of those who are in it, Positions of authority. Do bless our teachers, we pray. They have such a difficult job in today's climate uh, of teaching. Oh Lord, do encourage them, help them to stand for the truth. We pray, O oh Lord, for the Christian Institute, that they may be uh, good witnesses and given ability to fight for the truth.
and wisdom and grace in that. Oh Lord, we, we pray now that you will give us ears to hear. We've heard the word of God. We've sang your praises and we continue to sing your praises. May, O oh Lord, our hearts be in tune to the word of God. May we be eager hearers. And, O oh Lord, we don't want to just hear. We want it to affect our hearts and lives. That we may rejoice in our sins forgiven, our sins cast into the depth of the sea. What an amazing thing that is, that our sins that are so many are cast into the midst of the sea. Pardon our many sins, cleanse us we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. The next hymn um, is composed by Horatio Spafford. That may mean something to you, it may not to others. Uh, if you're into Google, you can Google him and you'll see that he, this hymn was a result of him having a tremendous trial in uh, so many of his family dying. Uh, if you're not into Google, uh, there's a, a leaflet out on the seat um, telling you about the background to this uh, next song that we're going to sing. And we're not going to sing the chorus until the last verse. So it's peace like a river attendeth all my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my paths you have taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. And then the children, it's your time for John's going to give you a talk.
see you again this morning. There's not that many of you this morning, is there? But it's good to see you here. Not to worry, because my talk this morning, I don't think... You're quite clever anyway, aren't you? So you'll understand it. But I think we can talk to the older people today as well. What do you reckon? Yeah? Now, I'm going to put some um, slides up on here, and I'm going to see if you know what they are and what they're used for. So I'm going to put the first one up here. Does anyone know what these are? Go on, Harvey. They're not headphones, actually. They're like headphones. Jess? Ear defenders. And what would you use ear defenders for? What would they protect you from, do you think? Annie? Block out noise. So do you think noise is like fireworks? Does anyone wear them when there's fireworks? I've seen some people down here who've had ear defenders on when it's been fireworks. It's really loud and it can be really scary and it blocks out the noise, doesn't it? What about this one? What is? Alice? A hard hat, isn't it? And what do you think a hard hat will be used for? Do you think you'd just use it if it's a nice sunny day, put it on your head? No? What do you reckon, Kitty Rose? Oh, let's see. It's for builders, so can you see all the rubble land about there? If one of that pieces of rubble fell on their head, it would hurt them if they didn't have a hard hat on, wouldn't it? It was protecting their head, wasn't it? Now, I've got another one here now. What's this? <coughs> Who has an answer here? Harvey? A cage. a cage. Now, what do you think this cage would protect you from? Jess? Sharks, let's have a look. Yeah, it protects you from sharks. Now, if you weren't in that cage, it would be pretty scary, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's protecting you from, from sharks. Now, I've got one more thing to show you. I've got some more things. Look, these, what are these? We all know what these are. 
We can get them out. What are they, Annie? And what do sunglasses do? Obviously, they make me look pretty cool, but what do they get used for? Yes, Kitty Rose. They block the sun from your eyes. They protect your eyes from the sun. And if you look directly into the sun, your eyes would get pretty hurt and pretty poorly, wouldn't they? Now, I was thinking about protecting our eyes, and we do need to protect our eyes, don't we? We need to protect our eyes, we need to protect our ears, we need to protect our minds, and we need to protect our hearts, because there's so many things that can be really harmful for us if we look at them, or watch them, or read them, or listen to them. And I was thinking, how many of us here sometimes put a program on, and your mum or dad might say, no, turn that over, that's not appropriate, that's not right for you to watch. Anyone here? A few of you? Have any of you read something sometimes and you think, oh, that's not very nice to read and you, you think to yourself, maybe I should not read that? Oh, lots of you. And what about listening to stuff? You heard stuff that you think, maybe I shouldn't have listened to that. Oh, lots of you. That's really good. And sometimes, do you guys say stuff that you shouldn't really say, but you end up saying it and then feel really bad afterwards? I think a lot of us do that, don't we? I was like that as well. But I've got a verse here that I'm going to put up on the board. And it's Paul. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, Paul's saying these things. He's saying this to the people there because he was saying, if you think about these things and ponder on these things, you're going to be like those Now, I was like you guys when I was younger, and unfortunately, when I was younger, I listened to things I shouldn't have listened to, I watched things I shouldn't have watched, I said things I didn't shouldn't have um, said to people, I didn't protect my heart at all. And those things can be really, really harmful. There are some things that happened in my past that I watched and I did and I said, even now sometimes I think about it and it really, really, really hurts me and upsets me. And sometimes I don't sleep very well because I ponder on those things. But the wonderful thing for me is when I found God in my life and I put the good things that God wants us to put first in my life, do you know what? I don't have them thoughts too often. Because if I think about something that's um, honourable, if I think about something that's pure, if I think about something that's commendable or excellent or worthy of praise... That makes me feel so much better inside than thinking about something that I've watched on TV that was horrible or reading something that was wrong or listening to something that was wrong or saying something that was wrong. Now, I just think that it'd be really good, you guys, that sometimes when you might see something on TV that's not right or read something that you think, oh, that's not quite right or say something, stop and think and almost sort of like put your sunglasses on but I want you to put wisdom on and maybe think about this first here and think to myself, Do the things that I'm going to watch or listen to or say, do they coincide with what Paul wants us to do? And if they don't, I think it could be a real help, can't it, to help us not to do those things. And I'm sure if we think about these things and we do these things, we'll feel so much better and it makes us more like Christ, which is much better. Don't you think? Excellent. You can go back to your seats now. Thank you, John. Something for us to think about as well as the children, I think. Our next uh, song is an invitation. Come and see. Come to Calvary and see what the Lord, the King of Kings, has done. The King of, what a tremendous thing it is that at Calvary 
all our sins are forgiven, are blotted out. Let's uh, sing that together before John brings the word of God to us.
So we turn then to the passage we had read, or part of it, Colossians chapter 2, as we go through this uh, packed letter, important letter of Colossians in the Bible. Now, maybe you're not yet a Christian. Well, it's so good to have you here. And I hope that some of the things that uh, we look at in the coming minutes will be of help to you uh, to know what it is to be a Christian. Maybe you're a brand new Christian. Well, I hope you'll find help this morning in thinking about the change that has happened to you and in your life. Maybe you've been a Christian for some time. A few years. Maybe many years. Then you're in similar shoes, really, to these people that Paul wrote his letter to at Colossae, the letter that we have in front of us this morning. You may be a little way down the road. You've been a Christian for a good while. But you have a little bit of a question mark about whether you're going the right way. There seems some encouragement to go on alternative route. You're wondering whether to turn off and take a different route. Maybe the enthusiasm of summer camps have worn off. Maybe the uh, the sort of bright, great uh, early days of being a Christian seem to have faded. And there seem to be some new voices calling to you to go a different way and to change your priorities. Well, the road that they had been on really had a, a name. It was the road of Christ. It was Christ's way. And that was the road that carried on. But there were some other turnings for these Colossians which came to their attention. And the question was, how should they move forward? Um, The part of the Bible we're looking at today in this letter is really the, the heart of the letter in many ways. And as we go through it, we're going to just, we're going to see three things. We're going to spend a little bit longer on the last of the three because that's the way the passage works. And we see first the right way. So we're in Colossians 2 and verses 6 to 7, the right way. And these are, these are great verses. These are important verses. I've had these verses sometimes read to people as they were baptised. They're verses of that sort of significance. If you go to Rooted, if you're a young person and you go to Rooted, then it's these verses that your group was named after. Here they are, verses 6 and 7, Colossians 2. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So they had received Jesus as Lord. They'd recognised Jesus as their leader. They'd acknowledged that he was God, and of course if somebody is God, then they deserve to be leader. And that was the early path that they trod. Their road had been Christ, they were in Christ. It was Christ's way that they had been walking along or travelling along. And here he spurs them to carry on in that way. Christ is the way forward as well as the way you've come. Keep to that road. Keep him 
as Lord. Now, in the early days of Satnav, you could be, couldn't you, directed down some pretty bizarre tracks and routes. I remember in East Kent once, uh, Satnav taking you almost through the middle of a farm on a track. Uh, if you go along Gill Road and walk along it now, there's a, I think it's still there, there's a sign up at the beginning of a track, uh, sort of Satnav ever, don't come down here. Keep to the main way, it's a good way. And that's really what he's encouraging them. Keep to the main way, the way of Christ. Don't be diverted. You see this little path going off to the right there. Don't be taken off on a different way. Don't go the sat-nav era. Don't go down the, the Gill Road little track. Keep to the main way. It's a way of thanksgiving. It's a way which overflows in, in thanksgiving and joy. Keep on track. In verse 7, the image changes, but the point is really the same. And it's a a building picture, chiefly, although roots are used, I think it's really pointing towards a building picture overall. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, I spoke to a builder a couple of weeks ago and... uh, I asked him um, what what part of building he liked most. And uh, it was interesting, he said, uh, getting the spade into the ground and uh, establishing the foundations and, and starting the walls. That, that was what he liked. I, I was a bit surprised. I thought maybe finishing off, seeing it happen, go quickly, completion. But yeah, it's good. It's a good thing to get that done and to have an enthusiasm for that. Well, here the the roots or the foundations are are in place. They're good. They're, they they had acknowledged Christ as Lord. That's what had happened. Uh, that was that that was their, the way their life was building. And they should should carry on. That's what he's saying. Carry on with it. Now, the builder that I spoke to would be a bit miffed if somebody came along um, and he'd established some uh, foundations and he'd laid the early brickwalk and they said, well, actually, I quite like it to be down the back of the lawn there. I'm going to carry on building, putting my bricks down there. Be madness. Foundations were in place, should carry on. I've just been thinking and preparing this uh, yesterday and I went for a walk and at the top of Gilridge Lane I saw this and uh, I'm not quite sure exactly what sort of building it is but the top of Gilridge Lane there, there is a, a building and it's tailor-made for me, wasn't it? The foundations are in place, the walls are there, some of the floor was there and if somebody came along and said, well, actually, I'm going to carry on building on the grass bit over the back there. I think that will be a nice place to carry on laying my bricks. Doesn't make sense, does it? You carry on where the foundations are. That's the right way. Foundation in your life has been, has it? Jesus Christ as Lord to see his worth, to see how wonderful he is, to see the difference he makes. Don't go elsewhere for building upwards. Keep to the foundations. 
You're on, you started on Christ's road in life, a life of faith in him, trust in him, wanting to please him, acknowledge him as saviour and lord. Don't turn off the right way. The right way. Perhaps it's a good message for us, some of us, this morning. Verse, verse 6, just, I think in, in some ways it's the main verse of the letter. You could almost summarise the letter. Therefore, perhaps it's a good verse for you this morning. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So carry on down the Christ highway. The right way. And then as we go down a bit further, we get the wrong way. We get the wrong way. Verse 8 tells us about the wrong way, the sort of bad satnav turning. But it's more sinister, really, than just a wrong turning. Let's read verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. It's as if you're walking down the main road, and somebody beckons you down a side road. They call you down a side road. And they're they're smiling, and they're looking friendly to you, and... uh, They've got stuff in the, in the bag which they want to pass on to you and so you head off across the road and you go down that little alleyway where they are and as you do so, they then grab you and they put your hands behind your back and they tie your hands and they gag your mouth and they sort of manhandle you down the alleyway and the lane and they're leading you off. I don't know quite what happened to this uh, Iranian uh, lady climber, but she obviously climbed without the uh, appropriate headwear as far as her country saw, and uh, and then she she disappears, and you wonder where she's taken. She's taken somewhere, and she's uh, um, it seems under duress had to give some messages out. So she's kidnapped, she's she's taken out of the way, she's seized, she's forced to make a public confession, she's taken captive, at least temporarily. Well, there were voices at the, the church in the city of Colossae which were aiming to do that. So we see, see to it that no one takes you captive now, we don't know all about what was being taught at Colossae, but we get some clues. And it had a different worldview. And there seemed to be elements of it that were Jewish, that have become a bit clear today and even clearer next week. Uh, it seemed to major on uh, spiritual parts of beings or, or demons and angels, and there was a fullness and freedom flavour to it. But the nub of it really is what you come to at the end of verse 8. It was not according to Christ. It was trying to kidnap them away from all that they had in Jesus. And maybe we're experiencing something of that call, that temptation to divert 
Um, maybe it's the worldview around us that you just live for yourself. And you, if it feels good, do it. And that's how your friends are living. And it seems quite tempting to go down the alleyway with them and join them. It seems such fun, at least on the surface, superficially. Living life without some of the constraints you've had until now. Or the worldview that denies that God is the creator and thereby sort of ditches him away from life and any sense of accountability to him. Or a worldview that says, well, you can have a a little bit of Christ, but there are lots of other legitimate spiritualities which regard Christ in no way as important and don't go through him, and you can have a good dose of those. Well, it's a very prominent worldview at the minute. And you're getting tempted to, to change, to divert, to leave what you had up until now. You're being sucked away from Christ. Well, it's the wrong way, we're told here in Colossians. And it's an alarming way. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world and not according to Christ. And then he gives some things that will help them. Help them to to. to to carry on in the way they've been in. Help them to keep building on the foundations that they've made. Help them to go the right way and not the wrong way. So we come to the reasons. And we can group these into three reasons. And and some of them are quite dense and involved if you don't know the background. So I, I hope you'll stay with me. Uh, The first two points are perhaps a little bit more involved, maybe the second one particularly. I think the last one, all of you will clearly relate to. But firstly, he says, you are full in him. You are full, you are, carry on in Christ, because you are full in him. We've got echoes here of what we've had last week and indeed the week before. And it's a, it's a grand theme. It's tremendous stuff what we're hearing about here. The fullness of God in Christ and the way in which Christ is then in his people, his followers. So verse 9, for in him, don't throw away Christ, don't go away from Christ, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. The Colossians seem to be having sort of voices and influences that were saying, there is a fullness which you can pursue, you can be made full. And they found this by moving Christ aside, by neglecting Christ and going a different route. And so he says, how can you look for fullness anywhere else apart from in Christ? In Christ is the the fullness of God in a human being. And Christ fills you. Jesus said, I am come that they may have life 
and have it to the full. Full life is found in Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory, we heard about last week. And Christ, through his spirit, comes and lives in people when they're Christians. It's as if the great ocean of the fullness of God in Christ fills our little teacup, but it fills us with God. So we know the presence of God, we relate to God, we have knowledge of God, we have the life of God inside of us. The language is pointing really to, to, to the temple. So um, Jerusalem wasn't all that big a city, actually, uh, come the, uh, Jesus' day. It was, it was a thought that there would be about 70,000 population in Jerusalem, so that's just a bit more than the town of Tunbridge Wells as, as a town. So it wasn't that big. But come sometimes in the year, there was a, a million people that descended on Jerusalem. Why did a million people descend on Jerusalem? To go to the temple, because it was the festival times. And the object was to get to the temple. The temple was the place where God met humanity, where God revealed himself, his glory was, and they wanted to be there. And in New Testament times, we don't have to head to Jerusalem and find the temple or its walls or its foundations. In New Testament times... It's not the building, but the people who are the temple. And God chooses to reveal his glory to us, in us, through his spirit. And there is a, a dimension and a, a fullness to life which is just not found anywhere else. And that is only in Christ. So you are full in him. Do you want to head down the alleyway? Do you want to follow the sat-nav detour? Secondly, he says, you have new life in him. You have new life in him. There are two pictures here in these sort of middle verses, and they're both pointing to the same thing, really. Um, that might take a little bit of understanding if it's new to you. Others of you will be familiar. Um, the first picture is circumcision. That's rather an uncomfortable subject, uh, especially for men to think about. But Jewish men had to undergo uh, an operation to remove part of their flesh, their foreskin, and it was a sign that they were Jewish. And it also pointed to the sort of removal of the flesh, of wrong desires, of bad desires. The false teachers coming to Colossae uh, wanted the the non-Jewish Christians to be circumcised. And Paul says, "You, you don't need this, because it's as if God has already operated on you without a surgeon. He has circumcised or cleansed your heart. It was something pointed to, actually, in Old Testament times. But here he says in verse 11, In him, as in Christ, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Christ has cleansed you. He's made you new. 
you have new life in him. You're no longer ruled by the the flesh, the old desires. You still have temptations and you still have battles, but they're no longer the governing authority in your life. You have new life in Christ. God has circumcised. God has done an operation in your heart to clean you. And now the desire to harm and to be selfish is not the governing authority anymore. So there was that picture. But the, the other picture in this part is, is baptism. They had been baptised. And that was right. That's the, the New Testament pattern for believers to be baptised. And it, it was by immersion. And, and clearly here that is best reflecting what's happening. Gone down under the water and come back up again. And this was a picture of what God had done. It's as if the old person, the old them, was buried in the grave under the water of baptism, this picture, and then raised, resurrected, the new them comes up out of the water. That's what baptism pictures, or one of the things it pictures. So the the old John Smith or, or Joanna Smith is is sort of buried, left down there, and uh, the new John Smith, the new Joanna Smith, comes up out of the water. It's saying, I am different, I am changed, I have been given new life. We're in verses 12 and 13 here. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead, And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. So, this is the point, isn't it, of these two? Christ has given you new life. He's made a massive change. Have you found that? Many of you have found that. So don't turn away from him who's given you new life. Don't change the road that you are on when it is the road that gives new life. So you are full in him. You have new life in him. I think the third is a bit more straightforward. You are forgiven in him. You are forgiven in him. And the picture is like this in these verses. Uh, We have lots of debts. Miserable to be in debt, isn't it? Troubling thing, worrying thing to be in debt, especially if you can't see a way out of it. Well, we have lots of debts which are the things that we've done wrong. They're like debts before God where we haven't lived, paid, as we should have done. We have broken his laws, our failings, our mistakes. So it's as if, it might be helpful to think of it as sort of hanging over us. So, just perhaps written on a card and a bit of string on it and just put it over my head and it's hanging here. And these are the things that I've done wrong and I've been ungrateful to God. That's a debt. 
and I haven't trusted God as I should, and that's a debt. And I've been selfish with respect to my family, and that was wrong. And I've said unkind words to people which hurt them, and that is also a debt. And maybe I've been lazy in some of the responsibilities that I have. And we all have these different debts that are going over us and weighing us down. We've had uh, wrong thoughts. We've been nasty to people behind their backs. We've been jealous of somebody who's succeeding or doing well. We've taken no notice of our parents. We haven't cared for our family as we should. And, you know, there's lots of them. Debts over us. Debts which weigh us down. Debts which, according to God's judgment, should be punished. And I can't deal with the debts around my neck. There's nothing I can do to get them clean myself. Yet what happens because of Jesus? The Bible says that in Jesus dying on the cross, it's as if the debts, just pick them up one by one, off my neck, as if you put it, loop it over the, over the cross. It's hanging there. On the cross in those days, they, they, they put an accusation against why somebody was being killed, their crime, and it was nailed to the cross. And it's as if the things that are on my neck are taken. Every one of them, the whole lot of them, are, are taken and they're put on the cross and I feel light. I don't have these debts anymore. I don't have these accusations. I don't have these worries. They're they're not dragging me down. It's all on Jesus. Verse 13, second half. Having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And if you ever become a Christian, this is what part of it involves. So much of it involves. Um, you, You see the cross. You start to understand Jesus dying on the cross. You understand why he went there. And you you realize that Jesus took the blame and the shame and the penalty for others. And you trust in him, and it's as if your your accusations, your failings, are lifted and put on him. You think of what's round your neck. Some of them are big things, aren't they? Some of them are really heavy things. You haven't forgotten them because, you know, you, you, you just feel so ashamed of them, and that... They hurt people so much and they weigh you down. But Jesus, having forgiven us all your trespasses, and if you haven't done before, I I would encourage you in your heart, in faith, to, to sort of pass, if you like, 
all the things that are wrong and to lay them on the cross. I remember when I became a, a Christian, one of the things that happened was I was just um, sitting and thinking, I was on my bed thinking through some things and, and I realised, it felt to me as though um, my soul, this is just the way it felt, my soul was like a really dirty sheet that I couldn't get clean. And in my prayer, all I could do was really sort of pass it to Jesus who could make it clean. And maybe similar from the language this morning, you need to just entrust, take your sins and entrust them to Jesus who died on the cross out of love for sinners. So that's why the cross is so wonderful. And if you're a believer in Christ, if he's your Lord and Saviour, you are forgiven in him. Do you want to go elsewhere? Do you want to take a different route? Make a different building? In fact, what happened on the cross is is so wonderful that it's a point of triumph. Those who were enemies of Jesus thought really that he was being defeated on the cross. At last we've dealt with him. And the spiritual forces, the demonic world, Satan, thought that he was dealing with Jesus. They thought it was a master stroke, was dealing with the Son of God. But then when you understand what happens at the cross, you realise the triumph is the other way round. And if you like, the the demonic world which wants all of us to have our accusations on us, to drag us down to eternal judgment, then looks in horror as they realise that they've all gone from us and instead have been taken on the cross. And in fact, the cross is a place of triumph which disarms the spiritual forces of their accusations against people. Verse 15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities, putting them to open shame by triumphing over them in it. So let's just come back to finish. You've been a Christian for a few years. You're wondering about turning off. You're wondering about starting a different building. Uh, So here, what we've heard this morning in this letter about the right way. Christ's way, keeping in him. Hear what it says about the wrong way, taking us captive. And hear the reasons to stick with Christ and to keep going in him. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. We're going to sing our final song now, which is along these lines, which is, O Jesus, I have promised to serve you to the end. Be now and ever near me, my master and my friend. I shall not fear the battle if you are by my side, nor wander from the pathway if you will be my guide. Let's stand to sing our last song.
As we have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so help us to carry on in him. We thank you for the wonderful fullness and new life and forgiveness that comes through Christ. May we never overlook what he has done, but rather may we be people who want to follow him and continue following him as our Lord and Saviour. Amen.